You can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1 and the story of Mary. Get your sermon notes out on the back of your bulletin to write down anything that the Lord speaks to your heart. And um, There's a quote from Henry Nouwen that I always think about when I think about Mary. And it's this. The most unlikely people are chosen by God to make us see. The most unlikely people are chosen by God to make us see. And I believe that's why God chose Mary. And I want to look at her life today, and I want to look at some characteristics of her life and lessons that we learn and apply them to our life as we spend Christmas Sunday morning together. But the story of Mary comes from Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. It said, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, who was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the Lord said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, And you will call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel of the Lord departed from her. Keeping your Bibles open to Luke chapter 1, I want to talk about Mary and meditate on some of the characteristics that we see from this great woman of the story. What made Mary special? Who was she? What were the characteristics that allowed God to to tap her on the shoulder and call her to follow and live and obey Him? Well, there's several things that we read as we go through this story, and you can write these down if you want, or you can add more to them as we talk, but, but the first thing we see that Mary was is that she was humble. She was from a humble estate. There was nothing great about Mary. In fact, a, a better word besides humble might be the word common. She was a very common person. To be quite honest, Mary is really nobody special. She's a nobody from nowhere, a, a town that is not very highly thought of, and she's a young child, probably 14, maybe 16 years old, a little girl, and that's who God calls, that's who he taps on the shoulder, and she is as common as can be, nothing special about her. I love what Abraham Lincoln said once, that God must love the common man, he sure made so many of them. (laughs) And you know what? God does love the common man. He loves the ordinary person. He loves people just like you and just like me. 
He loves people that there's really nothing special about. That's who God chooses. That's who God uses. That's who God loves. He uses people just like you, just like me. You think of a job interview or uh, putting that resume together or going for that job interview, you want to put your, first, your best foot forward, don't you? I mean, you want, to, uh, you want to look confident. You want to look competent. You want to have the skills and the talents that they're asking for. And you want to do a good job at that job interview, don't you? I mean, that's, that's what you need to do to get the job. And in this case, I don't think Mary would have even applied. There's no way. I, I, I can't do this. And, and to be honest with you, most of the jobs that God calls us to do, we would never apply for. Because we would think we'd never get it. And yet, it's not about what you can bring to the table. It's about you being humble and willing and, and coming before Him. Because God uses ordinary people. 1 Corinthians 1.26 says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise men of the flesh, not many mighty, not many, not many noble are called. God doesn't choose the wise and the noble and, and the those amazing people that we think are so special. You know, the very next verse here, Paul says, God uses those that are foolish and weak. I guess God can use me then, huh? I guess God can use you. Because there's not many mighty, not many noble. No, just the foolish and the weak. Why? Because 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. See, when God is at work in our life and He uses us, it better be beyond our gifts and our talents. Because if it's just what we can do, then that's just our show. But we need people to wake up and say, man, I don't know, God must be doing something in that church or in that person or in that family or in that life because that's, that's far beyond whatever they could do. We want the power of the Holy Spirit active and working in our life in a very common life, in a humble life, that God would just be working inside of us. Some other things that we see in, in Mary's life is that, that she was full of the favor of God. When we talk about the favor of God, a lot of times we, we think of uh, this, this oh, enormous blessing that God gives, and it is, but it's, it's more than that. It's God watching out for you. It's God protecting you. It's God giving His grace to you. And it's God really holding you in the palm of His hands. That's what favor is. When we talk about having the favor of the Lord, we think, well, I have the favor of the Lord, and maybe this person doesn't, or it's a degreeing degrees of favor. The reality is we all have the favor of the Lord. Whatever God does for us is grace. Whatever He does for us is a blessing in our life. And she was not just favored, she was blessed. We love that. It's so good to be blessed by God, be favored by God. That's what Mary was. Mary was held in, in the hands of God. And He took care of her and He blessed her. He did it. And there's nothing like being blessed by God. One of my favorite stories from the life of Matthew comes on a Sunday when we were on vacation. And we were up at Leslie's Parents Church in Wisconsin. They go to a mainline denominational church. And I'll, I'll never forget this as long as I live. At the end of the service, it was time for the Eucharist. And, and uh, we kind of sat and stood and said the right things and all the, the right things, but it was time for the communion uh, table at the end, and, uh, and I, I didn't really know when to stand or sit or where to go, but I was just watching everybody else, and so I'm watching all the families go up and how they go up and get their communion and come back to their seats, so I'm like, okay, we'll do the same thing, and I noticed whole families with children would go up. I didn't know a lot about this denomination as far as the, the practices and the services, but I did know the theology of the 
the congregation I knew that they didn't allow children to partake in communion. But yet all the children were going up with the parents. So I said, okay, let's go. And I had Matthew with me, and Leslie was behind me with Luke and Mark, and Matthew's our middle child. And so we walk up together, and we, we get up there to the pastor in the robe, and, he, and he's holding the cup. And uh, I, I didn't know what to tell Matthew to do because I know he can't take communion there. And, and all of a sudden, the, the, the pastor, a large man, he puts his hand on Matthew's head. And if you know our Matthew, he has long hair, and it was over his eyes at the time. And, and the pastor just moved his hair back and looked him in the eye, held his head. He said, son, do you know that if Jesus was standing right here where I am, that he would take you, put his hand on your head, and bless you, and tell you that he loves you. And, and he just went on and on, blessing my son. I can't tell you how I felt watching that moment. And, and then I was kind of hoping I'd get that, but I just got communion. But, but, um, <clears throat> but, you know, it was one of those moments, like, it was so precious that, that if Jesus was here, son, he would take you in his arms, and he would bless you. Do you know that's what Jesus would do if he was here today? This Christmas Sunday morning? At the end of the service when I bless you, just imagine Jesus being here, holding you in his arms and blessing you. She was blessed. She was favored. And so are you. But it goes beyond that because it's not all positive here because when the angel come, it tells us that she was quite afraid. She was terrified and, and troubled, but she was afraid when the angel sh showed up and started saying, well, this is what God wants you to do. And all of a sudden, things started going off in her mind. How can this happen? And all of a sudden, all the questions started coming. God, how can this be? This is impossible. I mean, I, I, we're not married, and we're not going to be married for some time, and I've never known a man. And, and, and how is this all even going to happen? And can you imagine what she's wrestling with, what being pregnant in that culture without a husband and, and all these things that are going on. And when I think about that, I, I, I think about how honest she was able to be with God. And that's another characteristic that I think is important. She was honest. God, how's this going to work? Sometimes, listen to me, sometimes God's going to scare you. When He asks you to do something, when he's pushing you a little farther than you want to go, when you are so comfortable and he says, you know what, I got something at the next level for you, you might be scared. You might have a lot of questions. Be honest with God. Be honest with him. Talk to him about it and tell him your fear. But then take the next step and be like Mary and, and, and be willing. She was willing. She was a willing servant of God. God is not going to make you do anything. He didn't make Mary do this. This was a choice that Mary had to make for herself. See, when we, when we th think about this, we think, well, when we read the story, all these people, they kind of had to do what God told them to do. No, they didn't. Have you ever done something that God made you do? That God made you do? No, because God doesn't work that way. He is looking for people of faith. People that believe God. That take Him at His word. That are willing to believe that what He says He can do, He will do. She said in verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. 
let it be to me according to your word. She had faith. She was willing. We also see that she was faithful. It wasn't just a a, a one-time thing for her. Uh, She was faithful throughout the life of Jesus. And and it wasn't that she was just there at the the beginning, but throughout Jesus' life and bringing him up. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 39, it says, "And, And when they had performed all the things according to the law, of the Lord, they returned into Galilee in, in their own city of Nazareth. When you, when you see them throughout the Bible, Mary and Joseph are always obeying God, doing everything that God asked them to do. They were faithful in their obedience. So this was not a one-time obeying God. They followed all their life. And Mary really became a servant of God. She was a servant of God. I know a lot of great moms in our congregation that are servants to their children. They love their children. They take care of their children. They serve their children. But Mary went beyond that. She did serve Jesus all of his life as a child, but as he grew up, she recognized who he was. And then she became a servant, like Peter was a servant and Paul was a servant. She became a servant of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. She served him her whole life. And when I think about that, I, I, I realize that what she saw in Jesus wasn't just her son. She saw her Savior. She saw who Jesus was and that he came to be her Savior. And that's the whole reason he came. And that's why I just love that our manger is at the foot of the cross here this morning. Because this is why Jesus came. This is why He was born over and over again in all of the Gospels. It tells us that He came to live and die on a cross for our sins. To to seek and save the lost. To give His life as a ransom for many. That's why He came. This Christmas morning, I want to tell you the reason we have Christmas is because Jesus came to live a life, a perfect life, a sinless life, to identify with you and me so that He could take our sin on the cross. And when He rose from the dead, He offers us newness of life in Him. And so I encourage you today to embrace why Jesus came. Because Mary realized she was just the part of the story. And the real reason Jesus came was to be her Savior, not just her Son. We see these characteristics in in Mary's life, and I bet that you want to make these a part of your life as well as you walk with God. But let's look at some lessons we learn. And I'd like you to write these down. They'll be on the screen behind me. But what lessons do we learn from the life of Mary that we can apply to our life today? The first lesson is, no matter who you are, God can use you. No matter who you are, God can use you. God shows a poor, young virgin from Nazareth. And if you remember what the disciples said when they found out Jesus was from Nazareth, they they asked, can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, this is a a bad place, a a bad town. And and really, is this who you're going to choose, God? And a lot of times we feel that way with God. We think of ourselves as as maybe too young or too old or we're too broke or maybe we're we're too broken. God, you can't use me. It's too late. I'm too far gone. There's no way you can, you can take me and use me. And let me tell you this today, and listen to me carefully. Don't limit God with your excuses. 
Don't limit God with your excuses. He can use you. The only thing that you have to show up with, come with the characteristics of Mary. Come in that humility and and, and realize that you are favored and blessed and called of God, even if you don't feel like it. That He loves you. When He asks you to do something, you might be afraid, but be honest with God. Ask Him your questions in prayer. Talk to Him and, and, and then be willing and full of faith. Be faithful and be a servant. Do all these things. Put these things inside of you. Don't limit what God has for you. Because Mary teaches us it doesn't matter who you are, God can use you. The second thing we learn is that no matter what problems you face, God is with you. No matter what problems you face, God is with you. Imagine how alone Mary felt through this whole process. I want you to think about when she first hears from the angel about what's going to take place. What do you think Joseph's going to say? Probably going to divorce her. What do you think her family's going to say to her? They're probably going to reject her. I guarantee you that the community that she lives in will reject her, and it could get to the point where they want to stone her, put her to death for what she's done or what they thought she's done. And you look at all the things that, that she would have to wrestle with in this, in this questioning moment, all the problems she faced, but there's a, a, a short part of a verse in verse 28 that says, and when the angel's talking to her, and the angel said, the Lord is with you. See, Mary was never alone. God was with her. We don't know how... Joseph was going to respond, or the parents were going to respond, or the community would respond, but, but you know what? God was with Mary. And no matter what you're facing and what you're going through today, God is with you. It says in Psalm 118, verse 6, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? God's on my side. We need to start getting the attitude that when God is with me, Who can be against me? Do you remember from our Romans series when we were talking about that? What can separate us from the love of God? I mean, seriously, when God is for me, who can be against me? And the whole reason Jesus came, it says one of his names was to be Emmanuel, God with us. So no matter what you're facing right now, God is with you. You are not alone. You can turn to him for power, for strength, for help. Whatever you need, God is with you. The next thing we learn is that no matter what He promises, God can do it. No matter what He promises, God can do it. Throughout the story, we see God make some pretty outrageous promises, don't we? To very common and ordinary people as we've walked through all these people these these past several months together. And what's amazing is, is that on every single time, God comes through to the person who has faith. Every single time, God comes through on the promises that He makes, no matter how big they are, when the person there to receive it has faith. See, Mary believed and she obeyed. She followed God. She heard what God promised. She believed that He can do it. And the same is true today that the promises in God's Word are for you, they're for me, they're for the church, they are 
They're there for us, and we're to believe them and hold on to them and walk in those promises. Maybe we don't feel like it, but we need to walk in those promises. Jesus says in, in words in red in John chapter 10, verse 10, that I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly, or a full life, or a richer, satisfying life. This idea that God has come to give us new life. And there are so many promises inside of God's Word for us. And we need to hold on to them, have faith to believe that what God said in His Word about me is true, that He favors me, that He blesses me, that He loves me, that He has called me. All of that is true. And when you have faith, that's when God is pleased. That's when God comes through. There's one more characteristic I want to give of, of Mary quickly, and <clears throat> that is that she's a worshiper. She loved to worship. We see this a little bit later on in, in Luke chapter 1, and I'll read it here for you. Verse 46, it, it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he's looked on my humble estate, or he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, now, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. In this Magnificat that we just read, it's Mary's song of praise in Luke chapter 1. We, we see the song that we sang earlier, My soul magnifies the Lord. And in, in the worship that, that Mary sang on that day is worship we still sing today. She was a worshiper. But as you go through and you digest all of the things as I was meditating on this song of Mary and I encourage you to do it, there's a, a verse that just stuck out to me and it's verse 53 that says, He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. And I thought about that in the context of, of, of Christ coming and the characteristics of Mary and our response to Christ at Christmas. And I just want to ask you a, a question here as, as we come to a conclusion. And I want you to meditate about this and think about it, but I want to ask you the question, are you hungry today? Are you hungry today? He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. Are you hungry this morning? Now in the context of the question I'm asking, I'm not asking if you're rich or poor. I'm asking, are you hungry? The reason I'm asking you that is because I think we are the most satisfied generation that's ever lived. And while we want other things and new things for Christmas, the reality is we have more than we need. And we're so full of the parties and the food and the celebration. And, and those are good things. I love Christmas. I love celebrating those things. But, but are you hungry for the Lord? I mean, seriously. Or is your life so full of other things? I was listening on the radio this week when they were talking about the end of the world and 
and um, you know, what are you going to do on the last day of your life? And you know, and 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 what if this is the last day? And all the people were calling in, and what I found it interesting is they were sharing what they wanted to do and, and things. Is that a lot of them said, "I don't want the world to end. I'd like my life." And I thought, "Wow, that's well, that's great. You know, <laughs> good positive attitude." But I'm sure their lives aren't perfect. I'm sure that there's a lot of problems. I I, I know that not everything's good, but. But you know what? They're, they're satisfied in life, and life is good, and it's, it's okay. I don't know about you, but, but I want to be hungry for God. I want to I empty out the things from this world that are satisfying me. Because if I'm full, the Lord says, all right, just go your way then. He's going to fill the hungry with good things. And at Christmas, I want to be hungry for God. As I come to the conclusion of one year and the beginning of a new year, I want to be hungry for God. I want more of Him, because that's the only thing that matters for all of eternity anyway. And that's really the only thing that matters in this life, is God and His leading, His working in my life. And, and I need these kind of characteristics in my heart and in my life as I follow and I love and I, I go after the things of God. And so I want you to be hungry this Christmas. I know it's busy. I know that the next several days are probably going to be crazy with traveling and friends and family and presents and, and maybe you still have to shop for some. I don't know, but it's going to be crazy. But don't get so busy. Don't get so full. Don't get so satisfied with this life that you miss Christ. That you miss saying, come fill me as you filled Mary with good things. I want you, God. I love the lyrics of the song that we saw the music video for. She said, I'll hold you in the beginning. This is Mary singing. I'll hold you in the beginning. You will hold me in the end. In all the time in the middle, make my heart a Bethlehem. I love that idea of making our heart a Bethlehem to God. Making our heart wide open to the Lord. Saying, God, come on in. Come on in. We're going to do this this morning as we conclude our time together. Let me just ask you this as we come to a conclusion. Just before we worship the Lord with a Christmas carol, let me ask you this. What gift can you offer God this Christmas? What gift can you give to God this Christmas? And let me just push you a little bit farther. What gift could you give God that he really hasn't already given you. I mean, seriously, what could you give to God this Christmas that he hasn't given to you? I can only think of one thing. What gift could you give to God that he hasn't given to you? Do you think taking out your checkbook and writing God a $1,000 check is going to impress him today? Probably not. How about saying, well, you know, I'm going to give God some gold. How about if I give him some gold? Well, they call that pavement in heaven, so that's, um, so it's not too big a deal. Um, I know I'll give God my time, the one who was and is and is to come eternal. Thank you for that little bit of time that I've given you, God would say. But, well, I'll give him my life. <laughs> He's the creator of life. He gave you life. He knows the days of your life. Listen, there is only one thing that you can give God this Christmas that he didn't give you first. There's only one thing, and it it may shock you, but this is a gift that he actually wants. 
the only gift that you can give God this Christmas is your sin. That's the only thing you can give God that he didn't give to you. And, and you could say, Merry Christmas, Jesus. Here's my messed up life. Here you go. I'll just say this, that Jesus has very strange tastes and presents. But that's exactly what he wants. And he already paid for it. And he wants it. Because sin is what separates us from God. It's what separates us from that relationship that we were designed to have. And the Bible says that when we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. He will take it. He will accept it. You don't come proud before God. You come broken. You, become, you come bankrupt. And you just say, God, there is a sin that has a hold on my life. I just, I'm going to give it to you. And when we give God our sin, you may ask, well, wait, does He want our sin? What is He going to do with it? He's not going to keep it. He's not going to remind you of it. He's not going to make you feel guilty. He is going to wipe it out. It says in Psalm 103.12, He has removed our sin as far from us, as far as the east is from the west. He takes our sin and He gets rid of it. That's why He came. And He says, give it to me this Christmas. Give it to me. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? And we're going to worship the Lord in, in just a moment. But uh, before we do, I'm just going to give you a, a quiet moment of reflection here before we, we leave this morning and head out to all the Christmas things we have to do. I just want us to have a quiet moment of meditation and then we'll sing a Christmas carol together and worship the Lord as Mary did. But this Christmas... I want you just to make things right with God. Maybe you've just, you're just here because it's Christmas morning and you don't have that relationship with God. Today, just give God your sin and He will give you a whole brand new life. That's why He came, to forgive your sin, to wipe it clean. Maybe you've been holding on to sin. Maybe there's a sin that's got you so wrapped up Jesus will deliver you from that sin. Confess that sin today. Give that to Him. And God has the power to change you. Maybe your, your sin is pride or, or busyness and, and life is so full and you are so satisfied. Give it to God today. Empty your life out. Because God fills the hungry with good things. We want to be hungry today. And so I'm going to give you a minute just to meditate, just to pray before we sing. And if you want to just talk to God right now or look at the characteristics of Mary and ask for those from God for your life, you just want to hand your sin over to God, whatever you want to do in this moment. It's a moment between you and God to give your heart, your life to Him, to come to Him hungry and humble and let him fill you up with his new life.
bowed and your eyes closed, and I'm just going to ask all of us on, on Christmas Sunday to make a confession of faith in Jesus. We've talked today about who Jesus is and why he came. And whether it's for the first time, or whether you're coming back home, or whether you're walking with him even now, let's make this prayer of commitment to Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to repeat these words after me this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning and let's worship the Lord together as the wise men, as the shepherds, as Mary did, and sing, O come, all ye faithful. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come, ye, O come, ye to
worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. We adore you, Lord. We adore you, Lord. It's good to offer ourselves to the Lord. Good to worship. Good to spend time with Him. Good to just, in the busyness of a Christmas season, spend time together like this. And I believe that God has so much for us as we end one year and begin a new one together that our minds are going to be blown with what He has in store for us as we make ourselves humble, willing, available to God. He's got good things for you in your life. And it may be a a problem right now, but remember that God is with you this week. He is with you. And He is able to keep all of His promises for you. And so just hold on to those and believe those. Stand in faith. Be strong like Mary had to be strong as a young girl that was probably very scared. But be strong and go into what God has for you. Today as we receive the blessing of the Lord, imagine if Jesus was right here today. He'd hold you in His arms. He'd say, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May He show you His favor and grant you His peace. God, I thank You for that blessing that rests upon each one of us. God, You are so good to us. God, I thank You that, um, Lord, all You're looking for is a willing response from us. And so today, God, You've got it. And uh, Lord, we can't wait to see what You're going to do. Lord, keep us safe, keep us strong until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you go this morning, there's uh, devotionals in the lobby. If you want to add those to your gifts this Christmas, take as many as you want. Don't forget your bulletin, and we'll see you tomorrow night at 5 p.m. for our Christmas Eve service. Uh, Come ready and invite a friend. God bless you, and Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yeah.